This morning we're going to continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit comes to us from Galatians chapter 5, and there Paul is contrasting two different ways that we can do life. One way that we can do life is to be oriented away from God, and uh, that life orientation is sometimes called flesh. And when we're oriented away from God, our uh, life will produce a certain sort of uh, set of characteristics and a certain quality. Paul contrasts that with the life that he calls life in the Spirit, or life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, animated by the Holy Spirit. When that life, oriented towards God and around the things of God, that life will take on a different set of traits or qualities or characteristics. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what is produced in the life of somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And our goal in this series is not just simply to uh, memorize the fruit of the Spirit or to uh, rationally and intellectually understand the fruit of the Spirit, but it's to find ways that we can cultivate the presence of the fruit of the Spirit to allow that fruit to grow and to flourish in our lives. Today we are going to be focusing our attention on the fruit of kindness. And as I think about the fruit of kindness or being kind, there are two obstacles that we need to deal with. The first obstacle is that the uh, concept is very, very simple. Uh, the simplicity of the concept. Uh, it's an easy word for us to just simply read, to skim over, to skim right past, and assume we know what it means. Uh, maybe kindness isn't just simple uh, and easy, but maybe it's even simplistic and maybe even trite. Uh, many of us have heard about the idea of doing random acts of kindness. Uh, you go out and you find some simple, straightforward, maybe uh, easy way to be uh, useful to somebody. You do something that's nice. You do something that makes yourself feel good and makes others feel good. Uh, often it's a stranger. You pay for somebody's meal at a drive-thru or you rake somebody's yard or you deliver them some cookies. And um, uh, that's the idea of kindness in our culture. There's a story about former Red Sox Hall of Fame third baseman Wade Boggs, and the story goes that uh, he used to hate going to Yankee Stadium. And uh, he hated going to Yankee Stadium, not because the Yankees organization or the team was terrible to him, they were pretty good to him, uh, but because there was one fan, there was a single fan that would just drive him nuts. Uh, and this one fan evidently had a box seat uh, close to the field. Whenever Wade Boggs was in Yankee Stadium, this Yankees fan would show up in, the, in his box seat and he would just uh, yell, uh, curse, uh, obscenities, insults. Uh, he would torment Wade Boggs and uh, really get under his skin to the point that Wade Boggs hated going to Yankee Stadium. So one day before a game, Wade Boggs was out in the field warming up, and sure enough, this fan shows up and he starts in all over again. Boggs, you stink, you're terrible, you're awful, get out of here, and things on that of that nature. And so finally Boggs said, I've, I've just had enough, I've had enough of that. And so he uh, you know, goes straight over uh, to the box seat where this fan is sitting with some of his friends, uh, and, uh, and he says, hey fella, are you the guy? Uh, that has been tormenting me, has been yelling at me. And this guy stands up and he says, yeah, that's me. What are you going to do about it? And Boggs reaches into his pocket, pulls out a baseball, uh, signs it, and then tosses the autograph ball to the man. And as the story goes, this man uh, became one of Wade Boggs' greatest fans. He never again uh, insulted him or yelled at him uh, and, in fact, enjoyed welcoming him 
to Yankee Stadium. It's a heartwarming story, it's an inspiring story, but at the end of the story, uh, we're left with wondering sort of, is that it? Is that what kindness is, right? Doing, you know, uh, somebody is mean to you and you give them a baseball, uh, you do something that's, it's sort of the, the warm fuzzies, the nice guy, uh, is that really what kindness is all about? Uh, does that idea merit being included among the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Uh, is the Holy Spirit in the business of being nice and warm and fuzzy? So uh, the first obstacle that we need to deal with is the, uh, is the simplicity of kindness. Kindness seems too easy, uh, it seems too straightforward, and uh, we really aren't motivated to dig a whole lot more deeply. There's a second obstacle that I think we have to deal with, and the second obstacle is this, that kindness seems too hard. If you do dig a little bit beneath the surface, you'll discover that kindness is really, really difficult to define. Uh, in some ways, it's like trying to nail jello to the wall. Uh, Philip Kennison writes these words uh, in his book about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, uh, just as there is no precise point on the rainbow where red ends and orange begins, so there's often no tidy way to distinguish between one fruit of the Spirit and another. What we call God's steadfast love cannot be neatly distinguished from God's goodness nor can either one be easily distinguished from God's mercy and kindness. Just as Paul wrote to the Corinthians that love is patient, so he also acknowledges that love itself is kind. Kindness is difficult because it's hard to define. It's hard to be precise about kindness. And kindness is also difficult because the bar is set so high. Far from being random, uh, far from being sporadic, far from being just sort of icing on the cake of our life. Kindness, it turns out, is a fairly central and important characteristic of God himself. Uh, the Hebrew word hesed is one of the richest, most complex, uh, I think one of the most beautiful words in the Hebrew tongue. And it's a word that even though it can't be translated precisely, is a word that brings great comfort and great joy uh, to God's people. Hesed is often translated as God's loving kindness. Uh, sometimes it's uh, described as God's covenant faithfulness. Sometimes hesed is simply translated as God's mercy. In Jeremiah 9, 24, we read, in, uh, uh, but only in this must the one who boasts boast that he has insight and that he knows me, that I am Yahweh, showing loyal love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these things I delight, says Yahweh, chesed, loyal love, loving kindness, covenant faithfulness. Psalm 117 uh, says this, show wondrously your acts of loyal love, your chesed, O Savior of those who take refuge at your right hand, from those who rise up against them. God's chesed, his kindness, uh, is a place of refuge. It's a place of safety uh, that we can go to uh, when we are in danger. Chesed shows up hundreds of times in the Hebrew scriptures uh, to describe the character and the nature of God. Uh, it's just, it's uh, God's loving kindness towards his people. It's his covenant faithfulness towards those uh, to whom God has pledged himself to be loyal and sure and true. Even in Psalm 23, uh, one of the most uh, comforting, cherished of all texts, uh, we read the words, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
Uh, and when you read the word mercy in Psalm 23, you're reading the word chesed, uh, the mercy of God. What would the people of God do without the kindness of God? But then God goes on. And he says, not only is this kindness uh, a deep expression of who God is in God's own self and in relationship to us, but he says that this is also the way that God expects us to be in relationship to one another, that we are to face one another with kindness. And so in Micah chapter 6, a very um, well-known passage of the uh, prophets, Micah 6 uh, portrays almost a courtroom kind of a scene. And God is talking with Israel about his case against them. Uh, there's been a breach in the covenant contract, the relationship between God and Israel. Uh, Israel has not been faithful. They haven't kept up their end of the, the contract. And so uh, God comes and says to them, uh, we have to fix this. And Israel comes and says, uh, we know we'll do better. Uh, we will come and we will worship you. We will sacrifice to you. We will bring you wonderful animals and sacrifice them. We will bow down low and we will really become great worshipers uh, of you. And God says, no, no, this is, that's not what I want. Uh, I don't want your sacrifice. What I want is this. What I require of you, what I expect of you is this, that you act justly, that you love mercy, and that you walk humbly uh, with your God, that you love mercy, that you love chesed, that you uh, let chesed be the way that you relate to one another. And then into the New Testament, we find um, that the text that we've already alluded to in the quote that I read just a moment ago, um, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, we read about love that, first of all, it, it's, it will endure, love will last forever, it will outlast uh, um, all the other realities that we experience. Uh, now, it will endure. Uh, secondly, it's great, it's the greatest thing. And then finally, uh, that love, uh, among other things, is kind. That, uh, that love requires kindness. So kindness uh, is sort of a big deal. Uh, it's a big part of who God is, and it's a big part of who he expects us to be. And it's a little bit slippery. It's a little bit hard to grasp. Uh, it's a little bit hard to understand how to practice and cultivate kindness in our life. Uh, so I spent some time this past week uh, looking at some of the uh, what uh, scholars call the semantic range of the root words of kindness. The semantic range is just kind of the whole array of meanings uh, that a word can take. And um, I uh, spent some time looking at the, the root word uh, for the word kindness that we find in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is kind. Uh, what's interesting about that word is the word uh, for kindness in 1 Corinthians 13 is only ever used in that one single place in the whole Bible. Uh, but the root of that word shows up in all kinds of different places. So sometimes the root uh, for the word kindness shows up uh, in words that get translated uh, as gentle or gentleness. And I love that. It, it describes uh, something of the flavor, something of the attitude, the presence of kindness is a gentleness. Uh, that is expressed. Uh, sometimes that root word brings uh, the sense of being useful, uh, making a contribution, being helpful. And uh, I love that sense uh, because it's action-oriented. Uh, kindness isn't just the attitude, it's not just gentleness, 
um, but it's also action-oriented. Uh, there's a contribution, there's a usefulness to the, uh, to the idea of kindness. Sometimes the root word is associated with food. And uh, in the literature, uh, when the root word there is connected to food, it has to do with uh, being tasty or being healthy. And I just love that image of kindness, that uh, when a kind person uh, shows up in a relationship, uh, it's healthy for the relationship, and it, and it brings flavor, it's tasty, uh, it's delicious. Uh, sometimes uh, soldiers are described uh, with this word, and in uh, the context of um, soldiering, the root word has to do with being brave, uh, courageous. And, and, and in a sense, that whole semantic range is fitting as a way to describe kindness, that there's an attitude, a gentleness, there's an action that's useful, they're making a contribution. Uh, it's uh, tasty and healthy and brave. Uh, another way that that root word for kindness shows up is in the idea of friendship. And that got me to thinking about how it is that kindness shows up in specific relationships, like friendship. Uh, sometimes thinking about kindness too abstractly uh, as a concept or a philosophy uh, leaves us in that difficulty of thinking it's just simply too easy and it's simple to dismiss or it's too complex and we can never get a hold of it. But when we think about practicing kindness in the context of very specific and concrete relationships, we begin to get a little bit more traction. And so it's interesting in John chapter 15, that Jesus is discussing friendship in the context of the fruit of the Spirit. In chapter 14 of John and in chapter 16 of John, Jesus is, is describing the fact that he is going to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and live in them and with them, the, the disciples. And then he says in the middle of that discussion of the Holy Spirit that if they live in him, if, if they connect to him the way that a vine attaches to a branch, that the life of Jesus, the life of the Spirit will flow in them and they will bear fruit. And in the middle of that whole conversation about spirit and fruit, right in the middle of that is this conversation about friendship. And right at the heart of friendship, remember, is this idea of kindness. Jesus says two things about friendship with kindness at the heart that can help us to understand how to be kind in relationships. The first thing he says in John 15 is in, uh, is in uh, verse 13, and he says, friends lay down their lives for each other. Friendship is intentionally sacrificial. And then the second thing he says is this. In verse 15, he says that uh, he is no longer hiding anything from them. He isn't just calling them servants. He's not just calling them branches. He's calling them friends. He says, friendship is vulnerable and transparent. I haven't kept anything from you. I haven't hidden anything from you. And then Jesus wraps all of that up again, and he says, so therefore love one another as I have loved you. As I have faced you, face one another. So love, kindness, friendship. Jesus says all of this is expressed as a fruit uh, that grows and is expressed but by, this, uh, by this sense of being uh, um, sacrificial, laying down my life, and of being vulnerable and transparent. I haven't hidden anything from you. To be kind in a relationship may mean that I don't hide my fear. I don't hide my fear, but I'm willing to express it. I'm willing to say what I'm afraid of. I'm willing to say what I'm worried about. 
That's the vulnerable piece. That's the uh, expression piece. That's, not, that's the not hiding piece. And then I'm not controlled by that fear. I don't let that fear dominate. I don't let that fear interrupt or get in the way of the way that I relate to you. I'm not, uh, I'm not controlled by it. I, I lay down that part of my life. I sacrifice that for your good. Maybe kindness in a relationship looks like, I don't pretend that I'm not angry. I don't, uh, I don't, um, I don't become passive aggressive. I don't pretend like everything is okay when it's not okay, but I'm willing to tell you the truth. I'm willing to say uh, what is happening inside of me. I'm willing to describe my, my anger or my disappointment, but then I'm also willing to lay that down. I'm willing to walk in forgiveness. I'm willing to walk in peace. I'm willing to lay down that anger, to be kind to you so that we can have a friendship. Maybe it means that I'm willing to lay down the self-centeredness of my life. Maybe I'm willing to lay down my impatience, my demands. I'm willing to set those aside for the sake of being a friend, a friend that has kindness at heart. Maybe when I become vulnerable and transparent, it means that I will let you see my weaknesses. I will let you see my faults. I'll let you see the parts of me that don't work well and that I'm not happy about. But then I will not hold on to those in a way that uh, produces shame or pride in me. Shame and pride interrupt relationship. I'll lay that down for the sake of being your friend, a friend with kindness at heart. I'd like to just invite you for a moment to think about some specific relationships in your life where you can practice the kindness of sacrifice and vulnerability, uh, where you can lay down your life, where you can be transparent, where you can show up and be kind in a relationship. Not randomly, not with strangers, but in the relationships in your life that matter most the places where you're most connected, where the most is at stake. Maybe the relationship that comes first to your mind is the marriage relationship. Maybe you think of your spouse. Uh, our marriages are more than friendship, but include friendship. John Gottman is one of the world's leading researchers on marriage relationships. And when Gottman is evaluating a marriage, he looks for the presence of one or two things that will predict either success or failure in that marriage. The two things that he looks for are either contempt or kindness. He says contempt is highly correlated with the failure of marriage. It's highly correlated uh, with a marriage that goes off the rails and becomes cold and distant. On the other hand, kindness is highly cor uh, correlated with a, a thriving and flourishing marriage that grows and deepens. Uh, contempt in a marriage uh, tears people apart, uh, it hides, uh, it blinds us to the positive things are, that are happening. Uh, sometimes contempt is expressed with uh, uh, deliberately ignoring our partner or um, responding minimally, um, doing things that damage a relationship, making our spouse feel worthless or invisible as if they're not there or they're not valued. Kindness, on the other hand, makes our partner, our spouse, feel cared for, understood, validated, feel loved. Do you feel how specific, how concrete, how tangible kindness becomes in a relationship where I'm expressing vulnerability and transparency 
and where I'm willing to lay down my life in sacrificial loyalty to the other. Who else do you know in your life that you can practice kindness with? What other relationships are important to you? What relationships are difficult? What relationships are filled with opportunities for you to add flavor and joy? Maybe uh, you think of people in your life that are challenging. Maybe you think of people in your life uh, that you just simply don't know very well. Who are the people? What are the relationships that will allow you to practice very specifically the practice of kindness, the friendship of being vulnerable, the friendship of being sacrificial? How do you find the power to do that? Even if you can identify a relationship uh, where you would like to practice kindness, uh, how do you find the power to do that? How do you find the ability to sustain kindness in the face of hostility or opposition? And the answer is by knowing the kindness of God towards you. Uh, think about that for a moment. God has said, God's kindness towards you and towards me is sacrificial and it's vulnerable. In Jesus, God comes to us and he says, listen, this is what friendship looks like. I want to call you my friend. I want to call you my friend. And what it looks like is, what loving kindness will look like is that I will lay down my life for you so that your life can be whole. I will become vulnerable to you. I will face your rejection so that your life can be saved. I will be faithful to you, especially when you are least faithful to me, when you reject me. And when you trust me, when you place your faith in me, says Jesus, when you abide in me, you will find the same loving kindness expressed in your life as well. So I want to end today by just simply inviting you to do that to see the, the places in your life, maybe where there's a gap between the kindness that you want to express to somebody and the reality of what you actually express. Maybe you notice that there are places where you are living out of fear or cruelty or smallness or scarcity instead of kindness. That your capacity to be sacrificial and your capacity to be vulnerable has been swamped by your anger or by your discouragement. I want to invite you today to see that gap, not so much as a place to be filled with shame or to be a place that you can practice defensiveness or a place that you can ignore and just say, well, we're all human, but rather to see that gap between what you long for and desire and what God says you can have and the reality that you experience in that relationship, to see that gap as a place that you can press in to the person of Jesus, a place that you can lean into him and trust him even more, a place that you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus, to follow him into that relationship and to allow the life of the vine to flow into your life even more fully. May God bless you as you enjoy the chesed of God's favor in your life and as you live with kindness towards others. Amen.